You're listening to the Lean Six Sigma for Good podcast. We help you learn how Lean and Six Sigma concepts can be applied to nonprofits, NGOs, and not-for-profit organizations. Visit us at LeanSixSigmaForGood.com. In this podcast, I share the presentation I gave at the IISE 2020 Virtual Annual Conference on November 2nd, 2020. In this presentation, I gave an update on my trip to Koshrai and my work with Green Banana Paper. This is the second presentation I've given at this conference on this topic. I've got a link on my website at biz-pi.com. Look for the Green Banana Paper or search for that in the website, and you can see the other presentations plus my travel video that I made about the trip. The video of this presentation is also available in the show notes and on that page as well. Thanks. All right. So um, the first question that comes up is, where is Micronesia? Uh, for those of you who are not familiar, it's out in the middle of the South Pacific, sort of closer to Papua New Guinea, um, a series of island chains, and uh, very beautiful. It's part of uh, the US territories. Um, there's a complicated relationship there, but uh, I go through that uh, last year at the annual conference. So you can check out a video on this link if you wanted to see my explanation and details about the, the island chain and why I decided to, to go there. I've also got a trip video um, of how I got there. It wasn't a straight shot like I planned. There was some mechanical failures of an airplane and some rerouting, but uh, if you want to check that out, I've got a link there as well. So this will be a follow-up of the trip and what I did to help uh, a sustainable business called Green Banana Paper um, implement some process improvement or lean methods in their operations. Uh, they take the banana tree fibers and they rip them apart and turn it into a paper product. It kind of comes out like a thick paper uh, almost like a leather, they call it. And they turn that into wallets or rolling papers or business cards or some kind of corporate gifts like at a conference, like name tags and badges. Um, it's very eco-friendly. Um, they try to be as vegan as possible. I think they're vegan um, certified and they're continue looking for more environmentally friendly dyes to use in their operations. And most of the product that they make is compostable. So if they have a scrap or rework, they just throw it into their compost bin. So that's uh, also good. But one of the, the owners of the company wanted to set this up so that he could provide good paying jobs for the local workers and uh, a source of income for the banana farmers. Most of the trees would just sit and rot on the land or they would even burn the, the trees so that they could make room for more trees. Uh, a tree gets like one big uh, uh, harvest, and then it's it's pretty much useless. So really cool way of incorporating what's available on the island and um, utilizing it for um, a, a way to develop the, the, the country. And this is a specific island in uh, Federated States of Micronesia called Koshrai. So we're under the UN goal of uh, responsible consumption and production, number 12. So this is some of the products they make. Um, so that's, uh, I'd really encourage you to check it out. And if you have a need for a wallet or think of a good eco-friendly gift, this is a great place to go. 
So I want to talk to you about what I'd worked on while I was there. Um, these are the areas I'll discuss. Understanding the customer, going to the Gemba, what's their production system look like, just some organization that we did, data collection and analysis, and then some training. So first off, um, the owner is Matt Simpson. He's originally from the United States. He went over to do some teaching through the World Teach organization in Marshall Islands, which is nearby. Um, he loves to surf and he found Koshrai and said, this is a great little uh, island that could use some help. And he's just very entrepreneurial. And uh, um, so he found this opportunity and just started building this, this little factory out of nothing. Um, so it's really impressive what he's done. So when I talked to him, when I showed interest in coming over and helping him out, these are the things he told me about efficiency, organization, communication, um, increasing production, speed of orders, uh, reducing losses. So all those things, you know, little uh, check marks for, in my head were like, yes, I can help. Yes, I can help with that. Yes, I can help with that. Um, and so you can even see that we're barefoot. And so that for the first time I've, I've worked barefoot in an operation. Um, you take your shoes off when you come in um, and it's very sweaty as you can see it's, it's pretty warm there in the, in the tropics so um, but I loved it it was it was really great so the first thing was to go and really understand the operations and so I'd seen some videos going into it so I knew a little bit of what they were doing but I spent a lot of time just trying to understand the work and watch and observe and get to know people who work there um, so the, there is no language barrier they do have a, a native language, but they also are all taught English because their school system is funded by the US. So it was not a barrier to, to talk to them directly. Um, because of the problems we had at the flight, I got rerouted through Guam and I, had to, I was there for three days. Well, there happened to be an island fair going on where these products were being sold. And so I spent time at the booth and so that was my first exposure to the customer side of it to see what is the reaction from customers for these products. And it was very positive and people were very excited about it. So that was on the left there. Uh, and then on the right was just kind of observing the different operations. And so they tried to use the product that they make as uh, much as possible. So these little folders on the top are made from the banana fibers. And then on the bottom left is a, a booklet of items that will be sewn together. And so it goes through a sewing operation. And so it's all clipped together, ready to go. So all the pieces are cut out through a laser etcher. And then on the far right there, someone is using the paper cutter on some of the graphic design work. So they actually have quite a bit of technology um, for their operation. They have computers, they have laser etchers, they have screen printers. Um, so it was a little bit more modern than I was actually expecting. And so it's just great to kind of meet everybody and find out what they're working on and what are some of the challenges they're dealing with. So the first thing that I was trying to do is figure out how does their production system actually operate today and what could we do to enhance that or refine that. So I think first is just trying to lay it out and, and understand it. And so I kind of sketched it out here on the right with the system of folders going to a, a planning worksheet that goes into bins. And then the bins are used to determine the next work orders that were being issued. Um, and then there's a series of steps of handoffs with um, some electronic and some 
uh, hand written down on a clipboard and just trying to formalize some of the steps that were already there. And so um, some things I worked on were, what is the inspection criteria for each type of item? It was all in everyone's head. And so we tried to get it on a piece of paper, like on a checklist so that it was more formalized. And then just tracking what is going on at some of the operations. So he identified the sewing room as a, a bottleneck. And so we spent a lot of time observing and coming up with a way of measuring the performance or output of that operation specifically. So a series of some electronic systems that he could access anytime because he wanted to be able to have flexibility to move off island or travel to uh, build up more marketing for his products, but also be able to see what's going on at the production if he's not physically there. So we talked about standard work, we developed some metrics and even some Kanbans for how to um, ma better manage the inventory levels. Here's an example of 5S and one of the areas we worked on. On the left is uh, before, so there are uh, a lot of totes and storage there. Basically went through all that inventory and really figured out what's there and tried to figure out what to do with it. Some of it was outdated or defective. And then on the right, just opened up a new space, including putting a new window in. And then each of the areas were set up as little workstations. And so the storage behind it went with the workstation. And so on the right is multiple workflows versus on the left before there was one station and everything was done that station. And so there's a lot of transportation and back and forth and, and very little workspace to, to do. So uh, just even just made the space nicer and he had airflow coming in. So just comfort of the workers was a big bonus in this new layout. Some other organization is just looking to see, well, how many stickers do we have? The stickers go with each delivery and order. They use the lighters to um, uh, burn off the edges of the stitching. And then they also use envelopes in their process, but these were all spread out in different bins. And so just trying to consolidate things and label them correctly. And uh, you can see little red cards there. So uh, right here, you can see the little green cards there. There's little, uh, we set up little reorder points. And so on the little card, I just made a little note card that had, when you, when you get to this card, then this is how many we wanna order and where it comes from, who the supplier is, stuff like that. One of the, the things he was uh, working on is trying to improve attendance, um, try to get people to show up for work. And so it starts with the time card. So we had electronic time card system, but it was manual. There was no connectivity to a database. They do have Wi-Fi, but it uh, can be spotty at times. But uh, the time card system was not hooked to anything. So basically I, would, I went through and every day, or actually twice a day, I would take the time cards out and manually type in the time into a spreadsheet and then that helped generate an attendance sheet so we could at least status what's actually going on versus intuition or gut feel about how the attendance was. And then starting to track that, you know, nothing fancy, no control charts or anything like that, but just tracking that data versus a goal and seeing the differences day to day or week to week with the attendance. And then also identifying people who are going above and beyond the hours that they were signed up for and some of them that are struggling and falling behind. Transportation is a big challenge there of getting to work. It's not a very big island, but uh, it, there can be barriers to getting around. 
and uh, getting reliable transportation. The other one was getting some metrics around productivity. So we first had to figure out a way to measure productivity by establishing some standard times for different assemblies and different products. And then starting to measure that and um, build reports on that. So you can see this is the weekly results. The blue dots represent the performance on certain weeks. And then you can see that there's variability in different weeks. And so at least starting to look at it, say, is this a typical week? Like for week 17 to week 18, you would say that's just normal variation. But when you see weeks 19 or weeks 21, you would see that there's something unusual. And then the gray dots would represent individuals who had a very high or very low productivity numbers. And so starting to separate those out and say, hey, this person's very consistently better than everyone else. What are they doing right? Or maybe they're missing something and having more quality problems. So just trying to tie some metrics back to um, decisions and where to focus. And then providing some training for the team is uh, kind of the next step. So we went through and did two hours of um, training over two different days. And so basically just went through and did some lean one-on-one -on -one training. And so basically the way I worked out was um, we did a lot of just work one-on-one -on -one with different groups. And then towards the end, I kind of got everyone together. And, and when I went through the training, I had some actual examples I could share with them and talk about specific operations that might resonate with them. If I had started maybe with the lean training at the beginning, I probably would have struggled with trying to tie it back to them directly. So I think um, the fact that they started to know me pretty well, that helped a lot. Plus um, I had real examples I could share from their operations and I could point out, hey, this is where batching occurs and here's how we might do one piece flow. So what they're working on right now in this picture is the uh, one piece flow versus batching uh, note card simulation. And so there's two different teams going and they were comparing to see who would who could do their note cards the fastest. And so we did two hours for one day and then we split it up and did uh, another two hours, uh, I think a week later. If you like this topic, please check out Lean Six Sigma for Good, Lessons from the Gemba. Volume one is released and available through Amazon. We will soon have an audible version coming out early 2020, and we're working on volume two as we speak. Volume one has eight chapters written by different authors who share their experiences applying Lean and Six Sigma to not-for-profit organizations. All proceeds from the sales of the book series will go to the nonprofits selected by the authors. Thanks for your support. You may have heard about Six Sigma certification. If you've done any investigation on it, you'll see that the prices can be kind of expensive. We've partnered up with OpEx Learning to provide a much more affordable option. You can select from white belt at $49 US, yellow belt for $99, green belt for $299, and black belt for $499. In addition to the lower cost, you'll find the content is accelerated, much of the unnecessary content removed. So you can focus on the core tools and concepts you need to know. When you hit the green belt and the black belt level, you can choose between Minitab or Sigma XL. And if you'd like to get a certification, you can add that on for $200 for the green belt level and $350 for the black belt level. To learn more, go to Lean Six Sigma for Good and under the resources tab, look for Six Sigma certifications. And so my total time there on the, on the island was, it was planned to be six weeks because of some problems. It only ended up being five weeks but it was still enough time where I could get in there and really get to know what's going on and understand the operation. And then um, 
also be able to go in and implement some of these ideas and, and help them versus uh, if I was there for like a week or two, maybe, I probably would have only been able to provide some recommendations and then wouldn't be involved with the, um, you know, adjustments and uh, trying things out. There's a lot of things that I worked on that never turned into anything that got implemented. Um, I worked on some things like a planning sheet to try to forecast out when the orders would actually get through the process. Uh, and I got didn't quite finish that. And so there's things that we started but didn't quite get all the way through. Um, so I think it was a really good amount of time. I mean, I could have used a few more weeks, but uh, definitely there was, uh, it was enough time to actually go in and implement some of these ideas too. So that was uh, a good, good balance there. Does anyone, so I'll leave it up for questions. So we got a little bit of time. Um, or we got we can open up to, for all questions, I guess, at this point. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I'll just add real quick is just um, they got hit really bad with uh, COVID. Let me just go to this slide too, real quick. Um, they have they locked down pretty much the whole island, so you cannot leave if you want. Uh, if you don't want to come back, you can leave. But if you do, then you're gonna. There's no. They're not letting people in, basically. So. At the time, there was three flights that would come in over the week from United. There's only one airline that serves them. And so three times a week, the airline would, would come in. They'd open up the airport, unload passengers and supplies, and then close down the airport. I think they're now doing that less, maybe only two or four times a month. And so they're really reliant on these shipments, and they've locked it down. And so nobody's coming in or going out of the island right now. Um, so their uh, orders have really shrunk. And uh, the tourism has gone away and they would usually get tours that come through and visit their shop and facility. So they've really relied on government subsidies to support them. So if you are in the market for some eco-friendly products, uh, check out their website and uh, consider supporting them. Right. And listening to your presentation, it's like, first of all, um, I think we'd all love to get a consulting gig for six, six weeks in Micronesia. Um, so I, I, well, I can't complain. Like I said, I had a consulting gig for nine months in the British Virgin Islands. So, so, so that was a, but, but, but they were, that was a government project they were willing to pay a lot of money for. So <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering, you know, how, how did, how did you, uh, you know, sort of find them and how did you make that work for yourself for, for being in Micronesia for five or six weeks? Yep. And a sort of a follow-up question to that is, after the fact, you mentioned that they do have Wi-Fi and stuff. Um, you know, have you been able to do sort of remote consulting with them? Yeah. So the the way it worked out is, I first learned about Micronesia and I got uh, really interested in wanting to visit there. And then I found this business, and they were they had a call for volunteers. And so um, yeah. So. Uh, it wasn't a consulting gig per se. So I basically took time off because I had the flexibility of as my consulting job to go there. And it gave me a good reason. And uh, I had a connection already versus just going there on my own and having to kind of figure my way around. So uh, so it, part of it was like, it was like mainly some work, but also uh, some travel. And he connected me with all the people on the island to show me around and and, do a lot of the tourist stuff as well. So um, 
so yeah, it turned into, uh, he gave me some product for exchange for my help um, at the end. So, uh, but yeah, it was, it was pretty lit, uh, relaxed too. So um, it was kind of like a half vacation, half work, uh, volunteer work experience. Uh, so yeah, if, if anyone is interested in going over there and helping, uh, it's a great way to, to mix that in. It, it might be hard to get uh, a couple weeks off depending on your job situation, but uh, they're always looking for help because not many people get out there. I think they get very few tourists that come through there because it's very difficult to get to, but uh, it was, I had really high expectations for that whole trip and it actually met all those um, criteria. So the plan was to go back uh, this year uh, but that's not going to happen. And so we're hoping maybe next year to go back and visit. Um, they, but yeah, they, they got hit pretty hard with, with COVID and their sales and stuff. Um, yeah, the option is to help remotely. And I've offered that up a few times, but we just haven't connected uh, directly with, uh, like, I think we touched based on that spreadsheet I was working on a couple times, but um, yeah, it could be done for sure. So that might be what the plan will be for this year is to stay connected online. I'm also working with them on some, uh, maybe some fair trade certification and they need to have a third party person evaluate them and nobody gets out that way. And so I've, uh, I'm working with uh, the certifying groups to see how I could become certified. And then on my next trip, go out and hit up maybe other businesses in that region that, uh, that don't get a lot of auditors to come that way. So I think it's going to open up some other potential things in the future. I work with some guys in Fiji, and they were uh, in the same area, and uh -huh. it was very it was very difficult to even internet was was kind of difficult. Just sending emails back and forth, and so simple things, videos or yeah. other large files, I really couldn't transfer them. It was something of a challenge to even work with them pre-COVID. Oh yeah, I can't imagine how much fun <laughs> it is now. It's not reliable, that's for sure. Um, and not very slow when it was working. So sometimes we'd lose it for uh, a day. We'd have to go into town to his other shop and try to get connected there. And that may or may not work. Uh, electricity would go out every once in a while. So yeah, those are barriers to employment um, and productivity uh, that we just don't deal with in the more developed countries. Yeah, uh, Brad, I wanted to thank you because you are always in engagement in helping others in the IASE. For a long time, I know you. So you oh, are really you. always great, great, this kind of engagement and helping others. Thank you. It's fun, especially when you get to visit cool places like this. Yeah. Maybe sometimes we can go with you. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, you know, it's not, a, even though it's a relatively advanced economy, um, you know, it's not all that dissimilar. I mean, in that the power would go out at least once or twice a week. Um, you know, uh, there were water issues. Um, and it was just, you know, but to the people there, that was just the way of life. You know, you just sort of assumed that the power was going to go out a couple of times a week and, and you, uh, went with that. And so, uh, and, and, Unfortunately, right now, they used to be served by uh, American Airlines, and none of the major airlines serve the British Virgin Islands right now. You really have to go to the U.S. Virgin Islands and take a ferry, or you have to uh, take one of the really small uh, airlines, which which I thought was very odd in that uh, 
the one small or one of the small airlines that that uh, um, serves them is Cape Air, um, and Cape Air is actually based in Massachusetts. It's it's the airline that goes to Cape Cod and the islands. Um, but they came up with a very smart thing, which was they realized that the tourist season in the British Virgin Islands is the opposite of the tourist season in Cape Cod and the islands. So they basically shift about a third of their planes, their little planes from uh, Cape Cod to the BVI and back and forth, uh, you know, depending upon the tourist season. So two thirds of their flights during the uh, Summer months are up here in Massachusetts and two thirds of their flights during the winter months are from Puerto Rico to the BVI and a couple of other islands down there. So it's, you you can find some of those adventures without having to go all the way to uh, <laughs> uh, Southeast uh, or, or to the Pacific. So. Yeah, the island, the island hopper flight is pretty popular just because you hit um, multiple islands and then you basically land they drop off supplies, pick up some passengers and take off. It's almost like a bus, a literal like air bus. Um, and you don't get off, unfortunately. I wish they would like have a layover of like an hour and let you get off and kind of check out the beach and stuff or go into town or something. But um, anyway, so on that second video I posted, I've got my video from on my phone looking out the window and I had great views of the different islands you're, you're passing over. So. Uh, people just sometimes will just take that flight just for the the, the views. Um, There's a question on the chat about the other applications for the banana paper. Um, they are looking at, like I said, trying to get certified to provide the um, banana papers as rolling papers for cigarettes or um, cannabis. Um, they're also, let's see, they switched over and started doing masks locally. Uh, they're, again, in preparation of having a cases and issues, and then also sending those and selling those to some other customers in Guam and other parts of the region that do have cases or are using masks. They've done some uh, switching in that respect. Um, and then just in general, I think he's looking at other things for sustainability, like maybe offer uh, growing his own food uh, to be more sustainable and teaching people how to do that. So just looking for other ways to kind of expand his business. So he's, um, he's very uh, creative and very entrepreneurial and basically kind of built all this up himself and just learned through the internet and uh, videos and stuff how to do it. So it seems uh, like the, the banana paper, I mean, you, if you're t burning down the trees, right? I mean, obviously you've got this yep. biomass that you've got to do something with. And it sounds like kind of like uh, analogous to hemp, right? Where you've got these nice long fibers, you can yep. do all sorts of amazing things with them. Uh, I don't know what the properties are of banana, uh, banana leaves um, or, or the trees themselves. I don't know if they have any good strength or can be woven or something. It just seems like there ought to be more applications for them. Yeah. Um, I'm sure he's, he's looked into a lot of different ideas on that because yeah, there's plenty of those trees. A it looks like Angela Camilla um, asked, you know, how can we be become involved in helping to support the, the idea of the green banana paper? Yeah, I think um, go to their website and buy stuff. Um, I, that, that's what drives them. Um, and so that's the best thing you can do. Um, I'd say also just or promote it 
as well. So if you know, like if you're having a corporate outing someday that you're giving out gifts, look to see what they offer that are eco-friendly gifts. Um, and so that's a one option. And then um, I, I got business cards from them. So if you do still use business cards and make really cool business card out of banana fibers and uh, they look nice and again, it's a great conversation starter. So just check out their website and, and purchase some of their products. And then if, you really, if you're really interested in going and helping, I think he would be interested in, in helping you figure out a way to get there and spend a couple weeks there and uh, continue some of the work maybe that was started. Are you interested in learning more about Lean and Six Sigma? Or are you looking to expand your existing skills to apply them to environmental impacts at your work or in the local community? Check out our free online course called Lean Six Sigma and the Environment on thinkific.com. We'll teach you about the Lean Forms of Waste and Waste Walks, which stands for Water, Air Emissions, Solid Waste, Toxins, and Energy. We'll go over examples of reducing electricity and solid waste, teach you how to involve your facilities and environment safety and health personnel. We'll provide guidance on how to green your 5S and Lean Kaizen events and many other tools specific to finding environmental opportunities. Learn more at LeanSixSigmaEnvironment.org.